Okay, good morning. Shavuot Tov. Today's daf is daf Yud Aleph. Today's shir is for a full shame of Chai Chai Kabbas Baba Michla, um, Yitzchak Yehuda Ben Miriam, and Zalman Mordechai Ben Miriam. They have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, so, just to go back to the Mishnah that yes, the Mishnah on yesterday's daf. Very interestingly, it brought um, a whole lot of mitzvahs that I mean, it, it classified them slightly different differently. But the basic rule is that there's not much Torah Shebitzav or a key halacha, um, uh, a halacha that seems to be very, very bewildering is also hardly clear in the, in the Torah Shebitzav and it's all in the Torah Shebitzav. The reason it was brought here is because one of these mitzvahs that uh, that that it defines as a mountain hanging in uh, hanging by a thread. I a halacha that's hardly you tr- you try look for the source for it, but it's it's and it's a mountain. It's a halacha, but it, you can't hardly find the thread that it's uh, that it's uh, that it's hanging by. You can hardly find the source in the Torah itself. So one of those was Chagiga, That's why it was brought in. So the one that starts towards the um, it's halfway down. Amud Beis of Yud Beis Amud Aleph, and then goes into Altaf. So just to mention it, just to catch up, was Me'ilas. Me'ilos. Me'ila is the halacha of um, the Me'ila is the halacha of not of the, the issue of getting benefit from temple property or misappropriating temple property funds. Hegdesh. And if someone does transgress it, obviously it's where they transgress it by mistake, then they are higher. Your sound's breaking up a little bit. Um, Sorry, your sound's breaking up a little bit. So that is misappropriating temple funds, and obviously it's where it's done by mistake. So just quickly, the first suggestion, it says, so Me'ilos, it says, what do you mean Me'ilos is a thread, a mountain, a halacha hanging on a thread? It says, it's written in the Torah, the halachas of Me'ila. So now we, the Gomorrah starts looking for a specific halacha in Me'ila that just seems to be really hanging on a thread. So the first one it suggests is, if, you, if, a, if someone sends a friend to buy something in the shop for them, he sends a shliach to do something for him, and he accidentally gives him temple money, it says, if the shliach carries out his mission, so I ask you, can you please go to the shop and buy me chalas for Shabbos, and the shliach does that, then the, the sender is chayav. If, however, he doesn't fulfill his mission, he goes and he gets uh, bagels instead of Shabbos chala, then he transgresses me'ila. So the Gemara says, why should he transgress me'ila? Um, in the first scenario, in the, in the first scenario of, uh, of where you send the guy to buy Shabbos Chala for you and he buys it, it says, why should the sender be liable? We have, um, the Gemara uses the phrase, this one, the Shliach does the sin and the other person is going to be Chayef. So that's why we see it's a bewildering halacha and that must be the mountain hanging by a thread. So Rav says, that's not difficult. He says, Me'il is different because we learn it from Truma. Truma has, Truma, if you look at the Psukim and, and learn about Truma, there's a, it's very strongly tied in with the, with the halachas of a shliach, of an agent. So just as there we find a, a, a strong representation of the halachas of agents, so, so to yeah. Um, 
that the shliach is the same as the person. So when you ask someone to go shop for you um, and you give him hectic money it, and he carries out his mission, he carries out his uh, agency, he's doing it for you. So then Robert says, so rather, what's shot of this again, a halacha hanging by a thread? If the owner sends the shliach and then he remembers, oh wait, I've sent him with hegdesh money. Then we say that the owner is exempt and the shliach is chayev. Someone says, but what did he do? What did the shliach do? Why should the shliach be chayev? So that's why um, this, you know, the, the Gomorrah uses the interest of faith. It says, Shliach Ania, Michael Ovid. This poor messenger, what did he do? You sent him with Hegdesh money. Then you realized, oh, wait, it's Hegdesh money. I wish he wouldn't use it to shop with. He's Chayev. He's done absolutely nothing wrong. So that's what the Gomorrah says. So that's what Robert says. Ramashi says, no. He says it's the, it's the same as any other example of Hegdesh, Hegdesh, of, of Me'ila. Me'ila is when it's done by mistake. So therefore, Ravashi gives a different answer. Ravashi says, no, the case must be where you took a beam, uh, uh, the Mishnah, where you took a beam or something belonging to Hegdesh, and you gave it to your friend. When you just take the beam, you don't transgress Me'ila. But why not? You've taken it as yours. But when you give it to your friend, that's when you transgress Me'ila again, because that's when you're taking it out of temple property. So he says, you see, that's a bewildering halacha. That must be the mountain hanging by a thread. And the Gomorrah says, let's go from right at the bottom of Yudam and Beis. We'll pick up here where we are in the middle of the discussion. It says, well, my kushya, why is that so difficult? Maybe it's like the case of Shmuel. We're talking about the actual gizbar, the treasury, the treasurer who's in charge of keeping these property. So whenever he picks it up or moves it around, it's all still in the property of Hegdesh. Uh, he has this big uh, storehouse with all property belonging to the base of Hegdesh. That's his job, is to look after it, collect it, etc. So when he moves something around, he hasn't yet taken it out of temple property. And only when he gives it to his friend... Has it now gone out of temple property into his friend's property? And he's the one who did that, so he'll be liable. So again, it says, no, no it's not at all surprising that halacha. So, Ella, me safe, it must be from the second clause of that Mishnah, of that Brisa. If he builds it into his house, he does not transgress me'ila until he lives under it and gets the value of the Shave Pruta. Just to clarify here, there are two ways of there are two primary ways we find of transgressing me'ila. The one is to take it out of the temple property. I so when you if there's something there in your so and you pick it up to keep it as yours and you acquire it, it used to belong to the base amigdash and now it belongs to you. There you transgress me'ila, and um, and the other way is if you get benefit from something belonging to the temple. To the value of a pruta. So he says here. So again. So someone took this wooden plank. And built it into his house. Into the roof of his house. Says he only transgresses me'ila. When he gets the value of a shove pruta. al points out. He says. Mirti shinui shinia. Mali dar. Mali loidar. Once he's changed it. Once he's um, cut to size. Drilled in. 
it's a hammered in this beam into his house and he's changed it. What difference does it make whether he lives under the beam or not, whether he gets benefit from it or not? By changing it, he's taken it, he's acquired it and taken it out of temple property, so he should be liable. So he says, Also, this is the halacha of a mountain that's hanging by a hair. Or my kusha. Again, why is that so difficult? Do you look at Rav? Maybe it's like the case of Rav. It's where he just placed it as like a cover over a skylight. Now there, he hasn't changed this woman wooden beam at all. All he's done is put it over the skylight. Or this wooden plank. So therefore, he hasn't done that issue of taking it out of Hegdesh property. And... But, so therefore, e darbe in, if he lives under it and he gets the benefit of a, prut, a pruta, then he'd be chayv. darbe lo, then he wouldn't be chayv. So again, that's not a surprising halacha, that makes sense. When he acquires it, or when he gets benefit, that's when he's chayv. In this case, he never acquired it, because he just took this wooden beam that he's supposed to keep for Hegdesh and put it on top of a skylight. He still hasn't done anything to take it out of the property of Hegdesh, but when he lives under it, then he's getting benefit. So, okay, so we haven't come up with a good suggestion. What is a haloch in Me'ila that would be like a mountain hanging by a thread? So therefore we go back to what we suggested with Rava. What was, Rav, what was Rava's suggestion? Rava was the second one. He said... Um, it's the, the case is where the Balabayus sent someone to buy something for him. He sent a shliach. And he said to the shliach, go buy challah for me. He said, if the shliach remembers, if, sorry, if he, Mishalach, the one who sends him, remembers, then the shliach is going to be chayav. So when Ruvain sends Shimon to buy challah for him, and he knows it's whatever, it's a 10 minute drive to the shop, but two minutes into the drive, he re- two minutes after he sent him, he realized, oh wait, that was Hegdesh money. All of a sudden, we said the, the, the one who goes and buys it is the one who's going to be of the shliach. So the Gemara says, oh, um, why is that at all surprising? He says, that's like every other case of where you take Hegdesh out of Hegdesh property and make it chulin. He says, awesome, made the yada, um, Sorry, so that was the question on Robert. Again, it's not surprising because all of Me'ile is by mistake. So again, so here the the shliach doesn't know it's Hegdesh, and here the and but the owner does, or whether the shliach doesn't know. It's, so I'm just going to. Um, so by all of them. The shliach doesn't know. Sorry, let me go back a step. I just lost my train of thought. Um, so Rava comes along and he, he said, what's the case that's so surprising? That's like a mountain hanging by a thread. That is where the owner sent the shliach. And before the shliach carried out his mission, before he bought the item, he, the owner realized it was Hegdesh. And therefore he said, oh, um, that's where the shliach, the one who was sent is chayav. So comes along the Gemara and says, but wait. Says that's the same as every other case of Hegdesh. It's where it's done mistake. So why are you surprised that the Shliach should be Chayev? Yeah, granted it's a mistake. 
Me'ila is always by mistake. If you knew the money belonged to the Beis Amigdash and you spent it, it's a different aloha. It's only where you forget or you didn't know that the money belonged to the Beis Amigdash that you would be chayav for Me'ila. So this is the same as that. So he says, no. Hosom made a yada de'ikas who say, de'hegdash, i'boilele iyune. In the normal case, it's where the person knows that there's hegdash money. And therefore, he should be more careful. Hacha miyada. But here, he doesn't really know. And Hainu Kaharin Atulin Basara, and this would be mounted hanging by a hair. He doesn't know that. It, so, what's he saying? There's, as, let's just to use a different way of expressing this Machloi case is there's what we call Pshia, negligence, and then there's what is called Oines, out of your control. And obviously, there's the extreme, there's also a mistake. In, almost in between those, there's a mistake. Now, sometimes you have a mistake that leans more to. Sheer negligence. I, if you had Hegdesh in your house and you knew about it, you had an envelope with money in and you knew that money was supposed to be taken to the base of Mikdash because it belonged to, it had been donated to the base of Mikdash. You've got to be more careful. And by the fact that you weren't as careful and you accidentally spent it on something else, there you should be half because that's leading to negligent. Again, it's not full on negligence. It's, uh, it's more, it's a bit careless, but it's not... Um, but you should therefore you have. But here the shliach was very close to it's what's called Oynes, out of his control. His friend asked him, he says, can you take this money and go get Shabbos Chalas for me? Why should the friend have any inkling? What could the friend be more careful? What, you're telling me every time your friend asks you to do something, you should check with him, is it stolen money? Is it Hegdesh money? Is it, uh, you know, is it Tzedakah money? No, you don't have to do that. Your friend asks you to take some money and go buy some challah. So you do what you can. You, you try to do that. Um, so that's uh, that's why Rava says this is a mountain hanging by a hairbreadth that in this case we say the shliach when it's just about oides it's just about totally out of his control we say that he's liable that's a mountain hanging on a hairbreadth okay then the Mishnah mentioned mikra muad v'hilchaz maruas sometimes it's very little posup and a lot of halachas so so the Gemara is going to bring some examples tanen akoyim v'olos mikra muad v'hilchaz maruas the halachas of Nagaim, that is the laws of leprosy, Tsaras, and Ohalos, that's the laws of Tumah, a, a corpse that's under a tent, or if you step over the corpse, all those halachas where the Tumah spreads, or very few, many halachas with very little psukim. So the Gemara asks, Nagaim, Mikram, what? Nagaim, Mikram, Arubahu. says, what do you mean? Nagaim, the laws of Tsaras aren't few psukim, there are many, many psukim. The Torah is very elaborate on, surprisingly elaborate on the laws of Tzoraz. So, Omar Rab Papa Hachi Komar. Actually, yeah, this is what it should say. Nagoi mikra merube v'halochas mu'atas. The laws of Tzoraz, there's actually lots of psukim for relatively few halochas. Or the halochas, sorry, halochas here doesn't mean the laws. Halochas here means the, the oral Torah. So, so the Nagoim has a lot of written Torah and a little bit of oral Torah. But however, the laws of Ohel, that has many halachas, many, a lot of oral Torah and very few psukim, very little in the Torah. So what difference do you make? Oh, thank you for that interesting information. Anyone who reads Chumash and Mishnah will see that Nagoim, there's a lot of Nagoim and a little bit of um, relatively little oral Torah, and uh, that it's the other way around by Ohalos. 
So he says, no, im istapel milsa ben ogayim ayin bekra. V'im istapel milsa ba'alos ayin b'manisin. No, the difference is it's, it's guiding us. If you're learning the halachas or you need a paskin and you have a doubt, if it's in a ga'im, then you should rather look in the psukim because the psukim are so elaborate. If the issue that you, the doubt you have is, is to do with ahalos, well, then you should look up the, Mish- the Mishnayos because they're more elaborate. So that's what it's a, it's a guide to studying them, where you should be putting your energy to clarify issues. Okay, then we mentioned Dinim. Dinim, we've said, have a smach, a slight hint in the Torah, but are not explicit. So, Mishnah Kasvinan, what do you mean? The laws of Dinim are written. We had it a few parashas ago. Parashas Mishpatim. They very elaborately laid out all the laws of Nilzik. And he says, It's actually for, we were speaking about a specific halacha according to Rebbe. Detanya, as we learned in a brisa. Now this brisa is going in a case of two men who are fighting. Trying to kill each other. And instead of killing them, an innocent bystander, a woman who was an innocent bystander, was killed. So Rebbe, Oimer, Rebbe says, Nefesh tachas nefesh. There the Torah says, Nefesh tachas nefesh. Aye, sounds like it's saying, since you were trying to kill one person and you accidentally killed this woman, you are liable for death. Nefesh tachas nefesh. Your life must be given in place of birth. But Rebbe says, Mamon ato Oimer. That's actually referring to Mamon. You don't. You don't get put to death in that case. You have to pay a monetary penalty. It says, How do you know that it means mamon? The Pesach says nefesh. Life. It's capital punishment. You're trying to kill one person and you accidentally kill another person. You should get capital punishment. Isn't that what the Torah says? So it says, no, It says nesina below and it says nesina lamala. Up above it's discussing a similar case, but where the woman, it was a pregnant woman and the fighting and she got hit. Innocent bystander woman got hit and miscarried. That's where he has to. There it says nesina he pays. He pays a monetary value. So just as over there by the where it caused the woman to miscarry its money, so to here it must be referring to a monetary penalty. But either way, this is halacha not clear in the posuk. It's a halacha. It's uh, it's hinted to in the posuk through this gezeira shava of nesina nesina, but it's not explicit in the posuk. Okay, avoid us. The laws of offering sacrifices, the temple service. It says and again, what do you mean that's hard that's not hinted that's just hinted to in the Torah? That's written. So he says, it's it's no, it's teaching us regarding the carrying of the blood. Now, the carrying of the blood, as we'll see, is a very different type of Baloch. We know there are four primary avoidos, we call them what what were they called in um avoidus hadam or Blood services. One is the shchita, the receiving of the blood, the carrying, the, that's the kabbalah, the halacha, the carrying of the blood to the mizbeach, and the sprinkling of the blood on the mizbeach. Now those have four very specific, okay, shchita is a little bit different, but they have very specific halachas. For example, it has to be done by a kohen. The kohen has to be wearing big day kohuna. He can't be sitting while he does it, and... What is that? Others, uh, Rashi just brings some of those. Yeah, he can't be an oral. He can't be uncircumcised. Either. All these halachas apply to those four services. Now, 
um, holocha, carrying the blood to the Mizbech is different to the other three because you can actually get away without it. How? Huh? If you stand right next to the Mizbech and do the Shritta there, do Kabbalah, catch the blood and do the Zrika, pour it straight onto the Mizbech. You don't need to shecht it and carry it to the Holocha. So it's a little bit different. So with that in mind, it says, Vahikrivu, when the Pazog says, bring it close, Zu Kabbalah Saddam. This refers to receiving the blood. Now that's a little bit tricky because what does Hikrivo bring it close? That, as we're going to prove now, sounds like it should be talking about carrying the blood to the Mizbeach. It says, Also, why does the Torah use the language of halacha when referring to risk of carrying the blood when it refers to receiving the blood in the bowl? Where do I see that it should refer to halacha? The coin will bring it all close and he'll burn it on the Mizbeach. That's referring to the coin carrying the parts of the Korban up to the Mizbeach. So we see the word Vehikriv means carrying to the Mizbeach. So why in al Posuk does it use Vehikriv referring to receiving the blood? Sorry, said on the previous one, um, Vehikriv is referring to carrying the limbs to the Mizbeach, to the ramp. So what it's coming to teach is that Halacha is no different to Kabbalah. Again, when it's speaking about Kabbalah Satam receiving the blood, it uses the phrase, the word Vehikriv, which is generally referring to carrying the blood, to teach us that the Halacha is regarding carrying the blood, even though it's optional. Remember, carrying the blood is optional because you could shecht next to the Mizbech and you don't have to carry the blood. But it's to teach us that when you are carrying the blood, it has the same halachas as the receiving of the blood, an indispensable um, part of the avoider. Okay, so there we see a halacha that is just uh, has a slight hint to in the Chumash. Okay, Tahoros, we said regarding purifying things. That's, there's a smach, an allusion to it in the Chumash, but not a very clear, a clear teaching. So it says, Mirsa Kosvinan. What do you mean? The, the laws of Taharos are taught in the Chumash. It says, no, It's referring to the shear of a mikvah. The loy kisva, it's not written in the Chumash. Nowhere do we find the minimum size of a mikvah. The Tanya, as we learned in Abraisa, Varochat, Bamayim. A person must wash himself in the water to purify himself. Bamay Mikvah, that's referring to in the waters of a Mikvah. Doesn't have to be, sometimes it has to be spring water, but in many cases, to purify himself, it can be a Mikvah. What's a Mikvah is the gathered waters. So, Eskol Basarod, and the Apostle continues, all his flesh. says, Mayim Shekol Kufa Oila Bahem. It has to be water that his whole body will go in, will be covered by them. How much is that? Um, one amma by one amma squared with the height of three amos. So that's the minimum size of a mikveh. If you take one amma by one amma and height of three, the shiru chachomim mikveh arbim and the chachomim came along and and worked out that that is forty seya. So again, it's there's no doesn't say anywhere in the Torah exactly how big a mikveh has to be, but comes along the the uh, and we learn out from by the fact that it says es called basaro it has to cover his whole flesh that it must be this amount of forty saya. Inshallah, there's a discussion in the poskim that here Tosso say how how three amos is up to a person's shoulder. And basically, if he would go into a mikvah that is three amos deep water, obviously an amma ba an amma, the displacement will make it go over and cover his head fully, and that's why that's the the required amount. 
Um, but either way, again, it's not a clear halacha, but that's where it's alluded to in the Chumash. Tumos, similarly, back, tum, the laws of Tumah, Mishach Hasvinan, aren't they written? It says, no, It's regarding a lentil size of a sheris that is not written. I, how, we know that there are eight shrotsim, there are eight types of creepy crawlies. When they are dead, they transmit Tumah. How much... Um, when they're dead, yeah, how, how big of them transmit tumor? So, a lentil size that's not written. The likes of it, the Tanya's we learned in the rice of Bohem. It says that when you touch them, you become Tomei. You're telling me you have to touch a fool, let's say a fool lizard. Says no, Talmud Lomer, mayhem, touch of them. Oh, Yochobu Mixasan. So, maybe you think just a tiny piece of a lizard would make you Tomei. Talmud Lomer, Bohem, no, the Torah said Bohem. I, the word Bohem implies touch the whole sheret, and Mayhem in, implies just touch a bit of the sheret. So, Hokaitzar, how do you resolve this? Which one is it? So, actually, it has to be Mixasan that would be equivalent to all of it. I, that sometimes the smallest size sheret. It says, It says, The Chachomim calculated that this is a lent size, Ka'adosa, because a Koymate, it's one of the Shratim, I'm not sure how we translate it, it's born this as the size of a lentil. Aye, so that when we speak about the size of a Sheretz, that is sometimes the whole Sheretz, we mean a lentil size based on this. And Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda says, no, it's referring to the tail of a lizard, because we know that the tail continues to wiggle after it's been... Uh, Cut off, so it's kind of like a whole. It's kind of like a living lizard, even though it's only part of the lizard. But either way, this halach of how much of a sheretz does one have to touch to become tome is not explicit in the chumash. It's learned out from this bohem mayhem. Okay, then we move arayos. It said that the arayos also. There's just an allusion to in the chumash. Says mixed What do you mean? The arayos, the forbidden relations, are written very clearly in the chumash. It's referring to bitter from his, uh, the daughter of someone who he raped. That's also. It's not written in the Chumash. Yeah, I'll read the rest of the Gemara and then we'll explain to Omar Rava Omar Li Ribitzak Barabdimi Rava's name Ritza Barabdimi Aisia Heina Heina Aisia Zima Zima. We learn it out from Heina Heina and Zima Zima, a double Zereshova, that someone is liable to be put to death if they sleep with the daughter of a woman they raped. Okay, the one post, basically how the Rashi explains it based on the Gemara elsewhere, is that the first posse comes along and says, Ervas Isho Bito, his, the nakedness of his wife and his daughter, Losagale is not allowed to uncover, es bas benov, es bas bito, and also the granddaughter of his wife. Now by emphasizing his wife, we're clearly saying a woman's daughter, even if it's not his daughter's. If he marries a woman, her daughters and her granddaughters are forbidden to him, even if they're not his daughters and granddaughters. And then and there's another pasuk which says that the ish, sorry, the Erva, the nakedness of your granddaughter, you're not allowed to uncover. But again, what you've, we've already learned, if you, based from your wife's daughters, which would include your daughter. So why do we need this pasuk? So no, that's referring to a daughter who you might have thought is permitted. A daughter that is yours, but not the daughter of your wife. I had daughter uh, 
who's, uh, if, if Chas Vashalom, a man raped a woman, her daughter. Again, it's not his wife's daughter. And therefore, you might have thought it's permitted. So that's what this Zaira Shava comes along and says, ever, ever, it connects it to the previous one to include daughter, because that second possible is only talking about granddaughter, and Zima Zima to teach us also the punishment. So therefore, we learn from there. Again, this is one of the rights. This, that a daughter of a person, someone raped, is also to them as one of the rights, and that the punishment is, is death. It's only learnt out. From this uh, drosh, it's not clear in the Pesukim. Okay, then the Mishnah ended off. Hey, name Gufei Torah. These are the primary aspects of the Torah. So, honey, in Hanach Law, telling me only these. What about the first list of the Mishnah? Because the Mishnah, it was um, how the Mishnah was split up. Is uh, starts off by saying there's Het in the Torim and there's Shabbos Chagiga Meilos. Those are like mountains hanging on uh, threads. And then it goes on to these ones that there's a support in the Torah, but there's not, not, it's not clear in the Torah. And it says, Torah. These are Gufei Torah. You're telling me only these are judgment, um, civil law, or damages, um, temple service, Taharos, Timaeus, Arayos. These are the Gufim of the Torah, but Chagiga, Shabbos, etc. are not actual parts of the Torah. Gomorrah says, no, um, that's what the Gomorrah says, no. Um, honey, inich, hanach lo. You're telling me that only this second half of the Mishnah are referring to are actual halachas, but not the first. I was now eleima hein hein gufei Torah. Rather say all of these hein vehein are gufei Torah, key parts of the Torah. I, even though some are halachas learned out a mountain, a, 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 a important principle learned out from a hanging by a thread. It's hardly you can hardly see that it's connected to the Torah shabbos. Sab, or a halacha like these that have a slight allusion to in the Torah Shabbat all of them are actual parts of the Torah. And I think that's the emphasis, don't dismiss it as part of the Torah. We now go on to the next parak. Let's start the Mishnah and then we'll discuss why this Mishnah is here. But it says, You're not allowed to teach about Arayos in a crowd in in three, which at the moment the assumption is the the teacher and two students. nor the discussion on Masiberatius, Bishnayim in two, either Rebbe and a Talmud. and Merchova, the the chariot is not allowed to be spoken about even by a Yochid. unless he was a huge Talmud Chochem, and he's able to work out things based on his own understanding. What is this? So, Arayos, we know what they are. Those are the forbidden relations. What's my separations and my cover? So, um, the various ways of describing it, I think the simplest is that my separations and my cover are the, the Kabbalistic, the mystical teachings behind my separations, behind the creation of the world, and my cover is the spiritual world, Hashem's world. That's uh, that would be Maaseh Bereshis and Maaseh Mekova, um, the the mystical teachings of the Torah, and what's or the Rambam interestingly enough seems to explain Maaseh Bereshis as um, natural phenomena, almost what we would call science, and Maaseh Mekova as the spiritual phenomena, the I guess um, the spiritual nature. 
Um, that's one explanation. Another explanation is Maase Bereshis would be the, myst- the, more, the mystical concept and Maase Merkava would be like a, I don't know what you call it, a spiritual experience. Okay, various ways of understanding it, but I think the easiest for us going forward is either like the Rambam, that Maase Bereshis is st- the study of the nature of the world, the natural world, and Maase Merkava is the spiritual world. Or the more standard explanation is that they're both different mystical aspects. Master Veracious referring to the mysticism and those ideas behind the creation of the world. And Merkava referring to the ones more to do with the spiritual world, the heavens. Um, okay, then it says, Whoever looks at four things, it's fitting that they weren't created. What's above him, what's below him. What was from before and what's coming at the end. These again refer to these concepts out of the natural world. If you're trying to understand what's above the angels or what's beyond, like what is to go directly into understanding what Hashem is, who's above the chas, or to understand the support of the world, I how um, Hashem's uh, Hashem holding up the world, or what the world was before the creation, or what the world was after the creation. These sort of topics, it's better he wasn't created. Anyone who's not concerned about the honor of his creator, it's fitting that he. He, it's fitting that he was not ever created. The Rambam seems to explain these are going back on Maser Bereshit and Maser Merkava. Someone who's not appropriate to learn them, he, he can what what it can really mess with your mind, as we'll see in the Gemara later on. If you try and grasp and put all your power, your intellectual powers into understanding some of these concepts that you're not ready for, it will drive a person insane. And he, the Rambam always holds. Um, that the ultimate connection between man and Hashem is his seichel, his mind. And it's the, it's the godly aspect of a person. And therefore, if a person messes up his mind, he makes himself go crazy by trying to understand these concepts that are just beyond him. Then he's bringing disgrace to Hashem, to his Creator. Okay, let's go on into the Gemara. In the beginning of the Mishnah, we said that you even an individual can't study the Merkava, the chariot, but if he's a Chochum, unless he's a Chochum, um, sorry, and then you teach, but if he's a Chochum, he can. So what do you mean? He can't? Can an individual not? Or, or do we say that an individual can? It says, no. What it means is you can't teach Arayos to three people. Nor can you teach Masabaratius to two people. And you can't teach unless he's a Midata, He can kind of work it out by himself to a large degree. Um, so interesting. What are we saying? It's not that... Three people can't learn Arayos together, the Rebbe and his two students. It's referring to a Rebbe can't teach three students. So he could teach two, but not three. With Maaseh Bereshis, he can't teach, the Rebbe can't teach two students, but he could teach one. And by Maaseh Mekova, a Rebbe shouldn't be teaching his Talmidim. Um, the Talmidim should be working it out by themselves. It seems the concern is, by Maaseh Bereshis, 
I mean, there are various concerns brought. We'll, we'll see in the Gemara why you can't teach the Arayos to three students at once. But why Masa Beratius? So that is what, what the, the danger is that if you're speaking, as soon as you're speaking to more than one person, as soon as you've got a class, some people are going to get what you're saying and some people are going to miss it. And you might not realize that one of your students, even if it's just two students, you might not realize that the one student didn't grasp what you're saying. And he's going to have a real distorted view of the topic, which by Mars can be very detrimental, uh, very destructive to not understand it clearly. And similarly, even if he realizes he doesn't understand it, since his friend understood it, he's not going to want to say, well, sorry, I didn't understand. Can you repeat the point? So that's why you can't teach Mars Abracious. Mars Abracious, why can't you even teach it to one point? So it seems these are such spiritual, esoteric ideas that you actually can't really put it into words. As soon as you try to put these type, sort of topics and concepts into words, you're distorting it. Because there aren't words to express such spiritual ideas. And therefore, really all the Rebbe can do is give headlines or give the odd, a key, a key, one key point. And the Talmud has to be a Chochom and able to maybe midat or work out the rest from the odd, the, the key points that the Rebbe gives him, just the headlines that the Rebbe gives him. But again, you can't have a Rebbe teach it to a student because as soon as he puts it into words, it's distorting it. And then it says, So ain't You're not allowed to teach Arayos to three people. My timer. Maybe you'll say it's actually from a pastor. It says, Ish, Ish, El Kol She'er Each man to his close relatives. But read it as a man, a man, and to his close relatives. Ish is tray. She'er besorot, his relative. Chad is one. So we have three. Don't come and reveal the topic of Arayos. So maybe it's a drosha that's telling us three people. You shouldn't teach Arayos to three people. Says Elamat, if you're going to understand Ish, Ish as telling us two people yes and three people no or something like that, you're going to run into trouble because look about, look what's written. Elamat, Ish, Ish, If a man, a man curses God. I, are you telling me only if two people blaspheme Hashem, it's considered blasphemy? Or, or a man, a man who gives his sea uh, to Moilech, does this Avodah practice. Again, only if it's Ish Ish, two men. He says, no, Hachanami, you're going to tell me the same thing? He says, no, it can't mean that Ish Ish means two men. Ish Ish means any man. So, hello, honey, me boil it. So, what, why, why does it say it as ish ish? Why not just say a man? Why say ish ish? So, hello, honey, me boil it. The rabbi says, Anochrim she muzharin al birchas Hashem al avodazorik Israel. Rather, these are coming to teach us that it includes a non Jew. Ish ish, whether a man or a non Jew, is is not allowed to blaspheme or is not allowed to serve avodazorik like like a Jew. Hi, and hi, nami, by the arayos also. Me boil it. The rabbi says, Anochrim she muzharin al raiz Israel to tell us that non Jews also not allowed to transgress. Arayos, like Jews are not allowed to transgress Arayos. So that's why it says Ish Ish. So again, we're still looking for our source that you can't teach Arayos to three people. At the end of the Arayos, it says in the Pazuk, and you will guard these, my guardings. It says, The word Mishmartem is guard them I are to, and Mishmarti, my guarding, is Another one, so three. So Omer Rachmona lebilti asos mechukas hatayvos 
And the Torah says, and you're not allowed to do but study these laws. Oh, we see amongst three people you can't study these halachas. Oh, but wait, elsewhere in the Torah this is not going to make sense. It's, says, and you shall guard Shabbos, and you shall guard the matzos, or you shall guard the, the holy guarding. It says, you're going to say all these refer to two people. Oh, you only have to keep Shabbos if you're two people. You only have to watch matzah that it doesn't become hot, uh, um, or mitzvahs so let me just check quickly yeah matzahs you only have to do it if they're two people obviously not even if you're alone you have to keep Shabbos etc so hachanam you're going to tell me that you need to be well Ella Omar Ravashi Ravashi says that's not pshat and it's actually not learned out from a psukip he says Ma why can't you expound the rights among three people he says ain't dorshim besisrei Arayos Lishlosha, you can't teach the secret points of the Arayos to three people. My timer, why not? Yeah, just before we go, what are the Sisra Arayos, the secrets of Arayos? So Rashi says, Rashi is the most right for he says it's the unclear Arayos, like we learned at the top of the page. Bitome no Soso, it's really not clear in the Psukim that someone is liable for, as one of the forbidden relations, a daughter from a woman he raped. It's not so clear. So that's what it means, the secrets of Arayos. Others want to say that it means specific leniencies that come out from the Arayos. And um, the Marshal says, no, it's actually the more mystical reasons behind the Arayos. But either way, it says you aren't allowed to teach the Arayos to three people. Now, my time, what's the reason? So he says, Sporahu. It's not based on Psukim, it's logical. Why? When a person is teaching two students, he will obviously be discussing it with the one, and the other will be listening to what to their discussion. <laughs> so um, I wish my students would uh, listen to the discussion when when I'm talking to one. But okay, so the one, and then he says, Tlasa, well, what happens if the Rebbe is teaching Three students says Chad Bahari Rabbi. One will get into a discussion with his Rebbe again, discussing the topic. Vahana Bahari Adadi, and the other two will start talking to each other. Interesting enough, again, now this this you see in class every time. As soon as the teacher starts talking to one student, two other students, at least two other students are going to start talking to each other. But here the problem is, even though they're going to be discussing. The Arias, the Loyado, my Komar Rabbi, they're not going to be aware what their rabbi is saying. But Asula Mishri Surabarais, and they might come to permit Arias. I, the rabbi is going to get into a discussion with one of the students, and two other students are going to start debating again the same topic with their other, but they're not necessarily going to hear the correct conclusion from their rabbi. So therefore, you can't teach the Arias to three people, because again, if it's two people, even if you're chatting to the one, the third one will listen to what the Rebbe and his student are, what the Rebbe and the other student are saying, but not where the two students are going to break off into their own discussion. But if that's the reason, then you should never be allowed to teach Torah to more than two people, the whole Torah, because they're going to miss halachas. Again, the Rebbe is going to, you're going to be discussing Shabbos, Hilchah Shabbos, and you're going to end up in a discussion with the one student, and the other students are going to break off into their own tang- their own discussion, and they're going to miss the halachas of Shabbos. Why is it specifically a problem by the Arayas and not by all others? So the Gemara answers now, Arayas, shiny, Do'om, Amar, Gezel, Arayas, Nafshashol, Adam, Mahmadam, Umism, Avelohem. It says, no, by Gezel and Arayas, a person's heart does, um, 
is desperate and desires them. I.e., and therefore, what does that mean? Your, since you, since a person um, loves Arias, loves these sort of things, they're more likely to learn at leniency. They're going to be, um, they're going to more, more likely come up with justifications why something is permitted. You know, as soon as someone really wants to do something, all of a sudden they start finding reasons and justifications why it's permitted according to the halacha. Yeah, he says, Arayos. So, but then if that's, so therefore, that's why it's a problem specifically by Arayos. Oh, but we mentioned Gezel and Arayos. So why, Yachi Gezel Nami, the laws of theft should also not be taught to more than two students because don't we have the same concern that they're going to come out with leniencies, they're going to um, come out with justifications to allow theft in certain scenarios. So Arayos, Ben Bufonov, Ben Shaloi Bufonov, Nafi Shiatre. says, no, for a, a person has a strong Yetzirah for Arayos, whether or not they in front of him. But by theft, a person only has that desire to do th- the Yetzirah to do theft when the opportunity is in front of him. When you're discussing theft as a theory and what's awesome and what's mutar and when can you take something, when can you use something, etc., then you don't have that desire to take it. If you're in the shop and you're thinking about shoplifting, okay, that's when the desire or the opportunity comes up. Someone gives you a lot of cash to deliver and the op- so the opportunity comes up. That's when there's a strong aid, a very strong aid to horror for theft. But not when it's just a theoretical discussion. Whereas the Arayos, a person always in the back of the mind, is that a person would, uh, would desire Arayos and therefore he should... Therefore, a person is always looking for ways to justify or find leniencies. And therefore, you should not teach Arias to more than two students. Because again, at least when it's two students, if you're talking to the one, the other will be listening to the conversation as opposed to starting to talk to the other students and miss the correct conclusions. Okay, we'll leave it there for today. Have a Shavuot Tov.